Today's episode of Tales of the Voidfarer is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. And be sure to tell them those cool nerds from Tales of the Voidfarer sent you. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Voidfarer Uncharted, where we're just hanging out and talking about the story so far, and uh, specifically, we'll be talking about Chapter 3, which just wrapped up two weeks ago at the time of you hearing this. Uh, we are everybody sans Tanner at the moment, but don't worry, we'll be uh, trading Saker for him later um, through a very so, complex ritual. Um, they're actually the same person. Yeah, nobody's ever seen me and Tanner in the same place yeah. at the same time. It's just one person who's good at voices. Uh, Tom, real quick, I, I yeah. get a real weird echo from that you. That was wild. <laughs> Wait, really? Oh yeah. God. Oh, I yeah. might have clicked the wrong button. You are yeah, the I voice of God, it. Tom. <laughs> Horrifying. <laughs> okay. This time That's I clicked the right button. Okay. There you go. <laughs> do we want to take that over again or do we just want to roll with it? <laughs> no, nah, just leave it. It's fine. <laughs> Who gives a shit? It's a void fair uncharted. We're just <laughs> Yeah. It's whatever. It could be a bit of a, a bit of a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are really the uh Nick didn't have enough time to plan a session uh episodes. Everybody yeah, thinks no, they're absolutely. like <laughs> Well, yeah. it, it's it we've completed a chapter, which means I actually get to breathe now. Before we jump into the next chapter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do these only to answer all of Chelsea's burning questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she is the one when we's like, hey, we're doing a Q&A episode. She's like, say no more. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we jump into questions, like uh, maybe we talk amongst ourselves about uh, how things are going so far. Are you telling me that I need a personality? Because that's rough. I always say that, and it's it hasn't helped yet. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, I I know we've done a lot of talking uh, after our various sessions and stuff, and it, it seems the general consensus is that like everybody among us really likes Chapter Three uh, so far. But uh, do we want to get into that a little bit? How how did you feel about Chapter Three compared to the uh, where the story's been going so far, and uh, and, and and why? Yeah, I mean, I think chapter three was my favorite so far um, mm. because uh, it was a lot of sandbox stuff, which I am a, I'm a big fan of just characters being characters and, and wandering around and getting to do their own thing and learning more about them, um, which I, <laughs> I feel like I did a lot of this. Like every time we were on our way somewhere, I'd be like, fuck, what does Luckbeak want to talk about with Ravnus? Like, just come up with a stupid yeah. thing for them to talk yeah. about on the way, which I love doing. Uh-huh. I don't know. It was a lot of it was a lot of conversations in transit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, mm-hmm. I really loved this chapter. I mean, I, like I, I actually made the comment to Tom the other day, like if like my favorite part about D&D is just sitting around at the tavern and getting into shenanigans. And mm-hmm. this this chapter really exemplified that. Like we got a lot of good character moments, which I love. Um, mm-hmm. Luckbeak got to 
be a sad boy. He uh, like he has like so much emotional depth or uh, so much emotional depth rather that um I guess I didn't expect upon hearing the concepts of like seeing the character arts. I'm like, okay, he's like the cute mascot, but now he's like the real emotional heart yeah. of the show and I'm like, uh-huh. wow, what a cool place for him to go. <laughs> And I yeah. love his like friendship with Ravnus because in like in the previous two chapters they were really like adversarial. Mm-hmm. Um but in this one they got to know each other so well and now they're they're best buddies and yeah. you know, united in it. our hatred for Marco, which I really yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, no. I platonically well, ship them. You know, I, I ship them as best buddies. <laughs> sure, friendship. Oh, Oh man, don't don't you know we we got a couple questions about ships, so we'll get oh, into gosh. that. Oh boy, okay. oh boy! <laughs> wow. But uh, yeah, no, uh, I definitely uh, uh, definitely see that, and it, and it was really funny. It just took Ravnus like doing a you know encode thoughts guilt trip, <laughs> and and then just bonding over the fact that you guys both learned that Marco just like <laughs> up and abandoned. Uh, <laughs> His mm. only friend. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, you're both like, what the fuck? <laughs> I would bet that it's true for Ravnus as well. But in, I mean, at least in Luckbeak's case, there's some serious abandonment issues going on in his past. So oh, like yes. all it took was, <laughs> yeah, for somebody to say, oh, this guy just runs away from people. And I'm like, what the, f- how dare you? <laughs> so yeah. yeah. And we're supposed to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the depth, uh, for Luckbeak, this chapter is actually based on the last of uh, Voidfair Uncharted, uh, in which uh, I think the question was like, uh, what's something that we don't know about your backstories that you're willing to tell? And mm-hmm. I pulled up my my backstory sheet and I was like, oh, sh- I forgot about this and this and that that I wrote. <laughs> and so then I was like, I should really be incorporating these things. And I think it, uh-huh. it helped uh, it helped quite a bit to, to kind of flush him out. Uh-huh. So yeah. what you're saying is, is these Uncharted episodes are more than just self-indulgent. They're not for the listener. They're for the players. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with Ravnus's backstory is that there were like several revisions that we went to. And I don't think Nick or I like, I think that no, we disagree we... on what the final version was for a couple of <laughs> we, we, yeah, we had to, uh, like, I had to send you a message like, oh, do we want to like nail it down? Because. <laughs> yeah. I, I know uh, what, it, it what was, it's been it in my mind. The, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think what we landed on is, is consistent with that. It was just like, right. just a detail here, making sure we were on the same page. Yeah, and a large part of that was because the Githyanki had so much lore that we had to kind of yes. like slog through that we needed to <laughs> mm. make the events that happened her- in her life like line yeah. up with what the pirates of Gith would feasibly do. Right. Yeah, because it's like, I really liked your backstory, but I'm like, oh man, technically this is supposed to be this way, and we want to be, we, w- we want to remain generally true to the, the lore. Um, and so we had to come up with like a reason yeah. why. Why was it like that? Um, yeah. So and, and we landed on something that was good and it'll come up uh, down the line, I'm sure. I think that's like uh, a tricky thing a in general master. when you're building a character in a setting with a lot of lore built in mm-hmm. is. Well, a setting one with a lot of lore and two with not a ton of like super available resources with that yeah. lore. Yeah, it doesn't Because you kind of have to like slog through old forums after a certain point mm. oh, um, or like find a PDF of this like random book. But yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've done a good job with it, I think. 
I yeah. mean, this is why you just make up your own race and then you get to just say whatever you want about them. It's really easy, <laughs> well, guys. Jo- jo- joke's on you, Saker, because the, the Doar are from Svelgen. Well, yeah. I mean, so it's like it's like even it's like even deeper lore to like try and figure that out. But but like one of the th- things that like me and Tom were like adamant about doing was separating ourselves uh, enough from the established lore, both like in terms of proximity and time frame so that gives us the freedom to kind of make it our own a little bit mm. so like even though doar are a race that were in spelljammer originally there's not a whole lot about them so that gives us the freedom to you know just let you create the entire naming convention sure. for all of the doar which is hysterical and naming doar is now my favorite thing to do hence <laughs> yeah, yeah. Flop, uh, flop waddle and dip slide macaroni <laughs> my two <favorites>. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm really glad that everybody seems to be liking chapter three. Uh, it, it is that that point where um, I, I intentionally wanted it to be more sandboxy. It was like uh, I, I was always worried from the beginning that things were a little too railroady. But that comes with like the the nature of you guys being confined to like a ship mm. where you're not in charge. You are, you know, members of a crew under a captain and, and officers and all that stuff. And you kind of just go where the ship goes. And I'm like, ah, this feels like it's going to be really railroady. So. I wanted to make sure that there were definitely moments of that sandboxy feel and get to the point where like maybe that that sandboxy uh, kind of style will be more of the norm. Um, or at least that mm-hmm. that's at least the intent. And this chapter was like the first taste of that. Yeah. I mean, I know that one thing we discussed early on, because when, when we're done, we hadn't done a podcast before, but we've done live streams before. And mm-hmm. a problem we'd run into was when players are preoccupied with like, the idea of performing and sort of like not just sitting at a table where they can kind of take their time, but feel that, you know, they need to like put on a show. Yeah. They don't always, like it's sometimes hard for people to both do that and sort of navigate a really complex, especially like a mystery oriented plot where they're expected to like put clues together and figure it out. Um, so it's kind of like pushed us away from like overly like elaborate plots or like overly like detective story type things because when the players have to spend a lot of cognitive effort just figuring out the plot it sort of like takes away from their ability to just like be in the scene and role play so i think that's part of Mm -hmm. what led us to especially early on we're kind of like we're gonna set the scene like you would like set the scene put them where they are and then like their player freedom was more like the details of how they interact with the scene rather than like a large, sort of like a small sandbox rather than a big sandbox. But I think that right. as people, as the players have really settled in, we've been able to like make that sandbox bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And, and, and ultimately give them the freedom to completely ignore a super interesting character and plot hook regarding <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask you more about that guy. Yeah, go, go for it. <laughs> I mean, what was suppo- what was the the original intent there? It's really funny. Um, so the reason that character was included in that first uh, that I think it was the first episode of the chapter uh, was because we wanted to establish uh, information about the Moonhammer Mining Company and the and the the Bank of Moonhammer. 
Um, so we we wanted to establish like so you you first meet Mr. Brigham Digby when he's getting a business loan for this absolutely absurd business, mm-hmm. and he gets approved for a business loan immediately, and and that was to kind of like show how this bank is operating, uh, to kind of like seed for things down the line. And in case you're wondering if we have a macroeconomic model for the Moonhammer Mining Company, don't worry, we do. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Tom has seen to that. Don't you worry. <laughs> so uh so yeah so like that that was like wholly the reason why he was there but he was such a ridiculous character and me and tom both just like lost our shit whenever we talked about him that uh we decided to incorporate him into a potential like b plot for the chapter and then after you noped the fuck out of the first time we dropped that hook yeah it became a meme Okay, <laughs> I see. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, part of it too was that with each episode, because it was very sandboxy, we sort of felt the mm. need to see to like always have a few threads we could pick up right. if mm. things slowed down. So we kind of like mm. with each episode, we kind of had the idea like here's stuff that could take the session, but we're we're kind of counting on the players to pick up the slack, and if they don't, we need to have kind of like a backup plan for like some stuff that can happen. And so that's part of what it was, is that each episode we kind of like had that character there as like, this could be like a nice little B plot that can run out of the episode. If the players don't do something else, but then you guys kept kind of doing other Mm -hmm. stuff. So we never really needed Mm -hmm. to force the issue until we got to the last episode Uh and we're like, (laughs) we're going to get weird with it now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right right well it it was like it's it's like that last episode it's like i i feel like there needs to be a battle like there there needs to be like a, a boss of the of the chapter more or less <laughs> but obviously the main plot line does not you know that point does was not, pretty much resolved it was resolved yeah it was like okay you get you get the missing cinder shard and that was basically the end of it uh and the, the whole cinder shard plot was basically to just ram you guys into the the elven imperial fleet and the realization yeah, it was, it was just like an Admiral... excuse to pull you guys on a string yeah. through interesting scenes sure right and and like reveal that the admiral was val's mom like that was the whole point of that and uh obviously i once it gets to that point there's nothing more to do so we were like well you know there needs to be something like exciting and interesting that kind of happens at the end of this chapter so wouldn't it be fucking hilarious (laughs) 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 if you stumble onto the fucking hamster guy (laughs) and then there's somehow a combat and then that that led us to but we're like we don't want you fighting hamsters so he has a mech yeah (laughs) sure yeah because we were talking about like he like I don't know, like, had, like, given the hamsters, like, space steroids or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were, like, really, really vicious space hamsters. Our, like, that feels mean. Yeah. Because they're, they're just so nice. <laughs> yeah. Our brainstorming session for that uh, for that episode was interesting. <laughs> I know we had a few other bad ideas kicking around. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we needed to get through the bad ideas before we landed on what yeah. we landed on. Uh, <laughs> I think my original idea was like potions that would like enrage the hamsters. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, no, we don't want them fighting the hamsters. The <laughs> hamsters are adorable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, and that and that wasn't like doing the space hamster uh like plot line was literally like i want to give the party a space hamster so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was definitely like a motivator as well yeah sure. yeah well from that very first scene when when luckbeak you know witnesses the mr brigham digby with his hamster guacamole uh, uh tanner out of character said i want that and <laughs> me, me but silently to myself behind the screen said okay <laughs> and now he will forget it forever <laughs> right as with every familiar uh do we want to jump into some questions Mo again most most of which are from Ch our friend chelsea mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. our friend chelsea who is one of the cast members of fables around the table um, that is true yeah. She plays Gail Rookwood on Fables Around the Table, Curse. Uh, if you haven't been listening to that, it's been really good. By the time this comes out, the uh, uh, the season finale, the chapter finale will be out. Yes. Um, but yeah. there will be a fun Q&A with the creators of the game, uh, the creators of The Curse of the House of Rookwood, that will be coming out tomorrow as of the release of this episode. Yep. So. Yeah. And you will also be able to send your questions to the cast of the show because we will not have recorded the cast Q&A yet. Time, time is a flat circle. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so do we want to jump into some of these questions? For sure. All right. Let me see here. Um, what podcasting lessons have we learned uh, after three seasons of this show? Ooh. Because um, I, I know we were talking about like part of the reason like we like like chapter three so much is we're kind of getting into our stride, but we're also figuring out podcasting a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> as well. Yeah. I, I have a sort of joke answer, sort of not at all. Do it. Um, well, I guess that the large answer is microphones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, mm. the slightly smaller answer is that I hate condenser microphones uh, for podcasting because if if you noticed Ravenous sounding like a robot, particularly in chapter one, I don't know why that is. Like, if you listen to some of our other podcasts, particularly like the first <laughs> season of Big Streaming Pile, I don't sound like a robot in that. And it's the same microphone. I don't understand how it works. But we have a we have a nice little microphone now that's a dynamic microphone that I think works a lot better for what I'm doing anyway. I know that other people on the show use condensers, but yeah, definitely microphones. The dynamic is a lot easier to work with. Yes, yeah, and it, I don't have to, like, plug it into, like, a whole thing where I have to, like, fiddle with knobs and stuff. It's just, like, USB. I just stick it into my computer, and I much prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh, and, like, this chapter, um, I think most of this chapter, I think maybe all but the first episode, I switched to a completely different uh, software. Um, I switched from uh, Audacity, which is, like, you know, your go-to freeware uh, audio program to adobe audition which has been great but it's also come with me figuring out a whole new software and also things like how how does one eq what is these what are <laughs> what are yeah. what frequencies <laughs> the the fuck are these numbers uh <laughs> so like that's why there's a couple episodes in the middle of this past chapter where that sound a little weird um that's that was me figuring out what what the fuck uh is is all of that nonsense uh but but i feel like you know we're, every episode is an improvement, um, at least technically from my standpoint, you know, just mm -hmm. learning, learning one little thing after another episode to episode just to improve as we go. And I think if you listen to any of the episodes, this chapter uh, compared to any of the episodes, the first chapter, you'll see a huge difference. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were pretty happy with the quality of that first chapter when we first put it out, you know, at the time. I think it's also Mm -hmm. been sort of a lesson. Um, I know I've gone through this with fables. And I think that if you listen to uh, the first couple chapters of the show, you'll, you'll find the same things there, but like balancing what sounds natural linguistically with like what sounds like a good performance. Cause when we're recording, we're all like talking over each other. We have a lot of um, Mm -hmm. pauses in our speech and stuff like that. And we have to like compensate for that in editing but you can't do it too much or else it sounds like really sounds fake and process yeah. and doesn't sound like nice to your ear at all. But um, you you also have to like make it still sound like a game. You know, you can't make yes. it just sound like we're reading off of a script because we're not, you know, the part of the mm-hmm. appeal of this kind of thing is, is improv. It needs to feel authentic. Right. Mm-hmm. You need to sort of like get a sense of their personalities beyond just the character. You need to get like the, the player's personality within that mm. character I, I, I think i think we actually hit this uh directly on the head at the end of uh uh, uh boy, i don't remember which part of this chapter but um i had my my scene with Luckbeak where he was trying to hang up that painting uh and then ripping it yes um right. and uh-huh. i i i this wasn't uh nick cut this thankfully um because mm-hmm. uh I, I was i left the 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 apple plantation and i was going home and i said you know, hey, you know, I, I think I want to tack on something that's seen. I don't know if it's worth it. I think it's kind of dumb. And then that the rest mm-hmm. of that just like tumbled out of me. Like, I think like he goes mm-hmm. home and he just blah, blah, blah. and then uh, we moved on. And then Nick said, hey, do you do you want to re-record that? Because it came out of you very quickly. And like mm-hmm. and then I think, Fiona, you said like it it sounded good because it was, you know, just kind of stream of consciousness. Like, I think if we would have re-recorded that, it would have sounded very yeah. kind of scripted. Uh-huh. Um, right so i agree yeah you yeah. miss so much of that in the moment stuff when you try to like yeah and some things we have mm-hmm. to like re-record sure. because of like mm-hmm. various audio issues but something like that uh-huh. even even if there are audio issues you want that like kind of like stream of consciousness like off the cuff because i mean it's sure. like i know listening to that i was just so like enraptured like oh my gosh right. like yeah. luck Beak is really taking me on a journey here i really yeah. enjoyed right it. you wanted to be a little well, crunchy like that yeah yeah, yeah. well and it, it seemed to match like the the like pent up emotion of that scene yeah. right yeah. like the fact that you narrated it out the, the way you did and and in the final edit i took it as is and i put it over music and and all that stuff and it felt super dramatic and a super like big buildup uh that that really conveyed that emotion just through the, the pacing and, and uh, you know, um, uh, tone of your voice. Uh, and, and it came out really, really, really good. So it, it is that balance between, you know, like keeping it an authentic uh, actual play, you know, experience, but also like, uh, like a production, you know? Sure. So it's like, while we're tempted to like, ah, you want to retake that, that scene, which we'll do sometimes if, uh, for, for various reasons, but for the most part, it's still, you know, us, yeah. us playing D and D like, you know, uh, it, it was actually the, the finale of uh, chapter three, where we started out with Val having that whole awkward argument with her mom uh, w- in the original recording. I didn't do a good job of narrating uh, who was speaking. And I realized after the fact, my voice for Val's Val's mom and Val are almost identical. <laughs> Which makes sense, actually. Almost yeah. like they're related. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And I didn't do that consciously, but but when I was listening back, because because yeah. I like I yeah. pre-wrote that exchange because having a conversation with myself 
is difficult. So uh, I, I kind of pre-wrote the beats of that. And uh, uh, I had to go back and record some stage direction some between like tags, the lines yeah. mm-hmm. to, to make sure you knew who was talking, you know. Uh, but that was that was a real minor thing. And I actually don't do that that often. Usually pretty much everything yeah. that you hear ends up being what what we did in at the in the moment you can you can cheat like i do on fables and just ask all your friends to record the character voices <laughs> then the, i really then like that i really that, like that for, that's become for, like a signature of that show at this point though or yeah. at least of that now, like, you, season of the show you're setting the precedent now that means every single chapter we're gonna have no to not every single conscript. chapter has to do that we're gonna well, have like, to conscript our friends i only, to... I only did that in the first place because i wanted like I, I wanted to surprise you guys with someone else's voice coming through the <laughs> microphone <laughs> and that just became a thing but and that worked because when we were recording that first episode uh you know hearing i i don't want to spoil anything if you want to li- go listen to fables around the yeah, table it's awesome but we'll save that uh, there's for the there's fables some cameos Q&A. yeah <laughs> yeah there's some cameos so yeah i, go, I think go that, that everyone on this show mm-hmm. is involved with fables in in some capacity yes yeah that's that that is true so um get i just just to drop a little bit of of void fair trivia that i think is fun speaking of retakes um mm-hmm. like because stuff mm-hmm. has been cut and scenes have been kind of edited a little bit but i also re-recorded uh two hours of myself yeah <laughs> for the that was, <laughs> that was for the one shot yeah for the one shot i just yeah. thought people yeah people should know that because <laughs> yeah. i recorded it with and, the wrong mic and it sounded like ass so i re-recorded the yeah. whole thing that was Fucking trooper. no yeah. joke i've had nightmares about recording with the wrong mic since that has happened that i would have to like go back to like void fair or fables episode or something like that and re-record the whole thing it's it it's was become so funny a fear of mine <laughs> it was so funny editing that 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 episode this is the uh the quest for the golden durian uh one shot uh the the lasers and feelings one shot that saker ran um and uh editing that episode was hilarious because i knew that the that saker's track was not the original (laughs) thing it was him replicating it based on his shitty original audio (laughs) including like him misspeaking including him laughing (laughs) include like everything and i'm like wow this is nuts (laughs) nuts <laughs> <laughs> but you can't you can't tell you can't tell wow. in the final and it, and it's it's still the original performance it's just enhanced <laughs> yeah i think i had i had my switch in front of me and i had my original track on my headphones and every time i said something mm-hmm. i would just say it again into the microphone mindlessly oh, just trying to replicate it was fucking yeah <laughs> It was yeah. it was great. And it, and it was all like a synced up to the original track yeah. and everything. I just had to drop it in and it wow. It was I, like that's it's, it's dedication. It's too much. Yeah. Work. It was dumb. If I ever record on the wrong mic, I'm not <laughs> no, going no. to go back. <laughs> do I'm not going to you. do that. <laughs> but Saker's is yeah. a professional thing. Uh, what can I say? <laughs> that's the that's the lesson for I podcasting. learned from from podcasting is how to be professional. Right, right. Another lesson is that we live next to a lot of trains, one of which is going by right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. All right, do we want to do we want to grab another question? Yeah, yeah. All right. So this this is a question that comes from our friend Kitty, who also has a cameo in Fables Around the Table. 
Um, and and also our friend Chelsea naturally asked a similar question, so we'll <laughs> we'll hit them both here. Uh, Kitty asks, um, "Do we have any ships that we're rooting for?" Uh, ah, and mm. and she she said the dating kind, not the traveling kind. And oh, likewise, boo. likewise, uh, likewise, Chelsea said, "Do we have any uh, Voidfarer ships like pairings?" almost the exact same wow (laughs) yeah almost the exact same so you guys rooting for any uh you know hot romances among the void fair pcs and npcs other than coot i think coot's the cop-out answer yeah yeah coot is definitely the cop-out answer at this point (laughs) it it seems kind of lame that's the cheap answer yeah it's lame to root for a cannon ship like i want to root for (laughs) yeah that's boring (laughs) no i don't i don't have any ships in particular i'm not like a shipper though like i've never really shipped anyone in a work of fiction or at least i haven't for a very long time <laughs> i tend to be more like i don't know i'm definitely like a an audience member with things that like tends to more i want to see what their creative vision is and i really don't have a strong desire to like impose my preferences on media for the most part <laughs> so i'm not really i don't really ship it's just like not really how i engage with things yeah i i i don't know i kind of like ravenous and arella just because i think Mm. it would be cute like i just like Mm -hmm. that kind of story of like them coming together and like learning things from each other um Mm -hmm. but it's like definitely not a serious ship it's just one of those like yeah that'd be that'd be the kind of story i would like that'd be pretty cute Mm -hmm. but i don't think that they know each other well enough for me to really uh ship them I do think we didn't like really get much deeply non-canonical wild ships like crack ships are fun. Those crack ships are <laughs> yeah, pretty fun, but, that, but that's the coot ship. Yeah, <laughs> right. coot, yeah. coot x everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's that's I, the meme ship. <laughs> mm. I, I think Tom took the words out of my mouth. Like as soon as you mentioned this question, I went to the 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 crew list that I have uh, that and, and tried to think of like uh, who would be interesting. But like truly, mm. I don't experience media. <laughs> in that way either i mean i could mm-hmm. i was oh, just such a boring Blame. i know it's a boring answer <laughs> i mean I, I will say that you know i i, I want to root of course for Luckbeak because i love that little boy um yeah. and uh and and he seems to like tiana but i also mm. don't know how healthy that is for him because he's mm-hmm. got a lot of work to do on himself before he can be with but that's what makes the ship so fun is all the drama <laughs> okay <laughs> well like tiana is like built like like when i was designing that character she's built to be like the ultimate mom friend okay uh Aww. so uh we stand. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh and like like so like naturally she's the one who's gonna like want to like look out for everybody and care for everybody mm-hmm. and all that stuff and, and i think i think it's kind of telling that that Luckbeak would be kind of like drawn to that uh (laughs) yeah so uh, so that might that might say a lot about about throw me Uh, fucking right under the bus here (laughs) me and my electric complex all right cool i'm just i'm just calling them as i see them (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) you know i also want to say ravnus and marco like if we gotta do like the pc ship i think that's the only one that even remotely makes sense 
and also because I I romance Tanner in like every single game that we oh. do. Mm. So we got to we got to fit it into this game. We got to force it in somehow. I feel like Marco Rapness is like the It's a beautiful disaster. Just like just like the <laughs> standard relationship ship. Then like Luckbeak Marco as like a bro shit. Hmm. Like I just want to see them like hang out. I have out. so many more like platonic ships than yeah. I do like romantic yeah. ships. And like Well, let's Let's be real. Luckbeak, Ravnus, and Marco are are a poly triad. Like, <laughs> mm, like yes. that's, yeah. that's 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 clearly where we're going. <laughs> I guess. <The>, just... <laughs> I guess I could see. I mean, if if you really forced me to, I think that there there would be some potential for Ravnus Luckbeak. Um, if it, it's, I think it's yeah. the it, it's uh, you know, uh, there's something there. I think it's platonic. Yeah, but me there too. Definitely is like like a soul connection there. in a different type of story that would be a thing right sure sure like yeah. it'd be kind of like <laughs> it'd be the story that like katara zuko shippers are like looking for yes of like very he's looking for his honor yeah exactly and he's very mean to her at first yeah this no, all kind of tracks is zuko luckbeak is katara Okay. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, yeah that is oh, true. Oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. That, yeah, yeah, that, that does make more sense. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that's the lore we had to get right is how Ravnus was a disgraced mm-hmm. Fire Lord Prince. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the AU fanfic now, like the right. Avatar AU. We're just feeding people fanfiction ideas. <laughs> as as we've established, Ravnus doesn't know who her parents are, so I guess is anything true. is possible. Oh, shit. Yeah. Are you saying that they're brother and sister, Nick? Is that the plan? Oh. <laughs> Ooh, it's like a Luke Star and Leia Wars. type of thing. You yeah. can kiss in like one chapter, but the next chapter. <laughs> I will say this seems genetically improbable. Well, it's just genes <laughs> expressing know. differently. This Tom. is a fantasy world, Tom. Yeah, Tom. Okay. Do Doar come from eggs? Regular penguins come from eggs. Yeah, do probably. Do I think Doar come from eggs. So yeah, do Githyanki. Uh, yeah, come exactly. from eggs too. Well, there it is. See? They have to be that's brother and need. sister now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all. That's all it takes. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, we could do. I just had this vision of Voidfarer babies, like Muppet babies. Oh, no. And like, like Luckbeak and Ravnus have the little eggshell on their head. Oh, <laughs> that's very cute. Oh, man. <laughs> so, There's the spinoff uh, we deserve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we so. finally sell out. Yeah. <laughs> Voidfarer babies. Voidfarer babies as a cartoon. Uh huh. So. Well, I think we only have a little bit of time here before we have to vaporize uh, Saker into tiny little particles and then reassemble them into Tanner. Checks out. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> by the power of editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I, I did have a question. This is this is a question from me at Nick underscore you receive on Twitter <laughs> uh, <laughs> for for you guys. But um, given given the story as it's been so far, um, where where do you think your characters are like headspace wise like like uh, like your feelings about the voidfarer about val about this this path that you found yourself on um can can you give us like a little bit of insight uh into what's going on in your dome sure um mm-hmm. ravenous uh, this is a big hint to uh nick even though we've recorded a little bit of chapter 4 already um i think that ravness is very comfortable i think that she has like her friends now like she she has mm-hmm. like an established place on the void fair and uh i'm excited to see that all wrecked but you know my answer ultimately <laughs> is that she's pretty like comfortable and happy and i think that she hasn't felt that way in a while but she's letting herself like 
relax into it. She's letting her guard down a little bit. So let's make her unhappy again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that, that, like you're just you're just asking me to wreck that. Shit. I know. That's, I'm, I'm, I love that it. part. So, yeah, yeah. So she's like, yeah, she she had a good chapter. She's mm-hmm. she's feeling good. I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I think there's some stuff coming up in chapter four that that might throw a wrench into things. Ooh, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm reminded of a tweet I saw once that said something like, you know how in movies, like everyone would be happy and hanging out with friends and having a good time and then something bad happens. I hate that part. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> uh, but that's when the drama starts. That's the end of act yeah. one. Yeah. Every yeah. story ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I, I, oh man. Like, this is so hard for me to think about um, because I I think Luckbeak is almost the opposite of where Ravenous is, but for the same reasons. Um, he's used to living a real nomad life of just constantly being on the move and taking the next job and, and doing the next thing. Um, and uh, I think in the Voidfarer, he's found people that he likes people that he trusts. Um, I mean, he's found a, a, a mentor in Ravnus with, uh, with his fighting. He's found, uh, you know, uh, you know, I think he's, he's his friendship with Marco his is maybe possibly budding romance with Tiana. And I think it's um, scaring him, him thinking that one day he's going to have to leave. Um, because I think that that's what he's used to and that's what his whole life has been. And especially that he's put, uh, a lot of himself out there. He talked, uh, in the final episode of this chapter, um, to his two party members about his kind of his parents and where he came from and his history with them. Uh, he's mentioned to Tiana, uh, the woman that he was in love with that he can't go back to. Um, and that's a lot of yourself to put in a place, especially when you think that, you know, that place is not going to last forever. So I think he's, he feels mm-hmm. like this is coming out of him because it's natural, but it's also just setting himself mm-hmm. up for future hurt. Yeah. It, it's like a, it, like I, I interpret that as like, it, it's, it's a vulnerability that he's not used to showing, yeah. you know? Uh, no, I, I think that totally tracks and it's, I think that's super interesting. And it's also like uh, that, that, makes it super interesting the conversation that Luckbeak and Ravnus had with Marco about Marco leaving his his friend behind mm-hmm. you know uh where like like it culminated in in like Ravnus saying you know you you guys are crew you you're your family and uh the fact that Luckbeak feels uncomfortable in that yet still a kind of accepting of it I think is super interesting yeah um where it's like a fact that others might take solace in, which was like kind of the point of that conversation. Like Luckbeak is, it's unnatural for him. I, I think that's super yeah. cool. Yeah, I think he's just not used to being comfortable. So it's hard. It's hard for him to get into that. Mm-hmm. He's a penguin. He's not used to a warm bath. He wants his cold <laughs> lake. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that totally tracks. All righty. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this, this half of the, um, of it uh so we can uh bring bring in tanner because our 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 recording schedule uh (laughs) went to shit this week i think we've been i think we've been spoiled by all the free time that covid has given us 
uh so that when we went to go yeah. schedule something and then suddenly like oh no everybody's schedules didn't line up it was <laughs> uh, it, it was so weird <laughs> i remember that first week of shutdown where it's like i've never seen so many fucking green check marks on a doodle yeah survey really <laughs> And now this, I, I remember what this was like now. <laughs> yeah. Slowly returning so, to normal. Yeah. <laughs> for better or for worse. So, uh, Nick, can I plug one thing before I go? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Go for it. Uh, earlier, I said Electra Complex when I really meant Oedipus Complex. Thanks, everybody. Mm. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Very nice. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Got to set the record straight. Yep, exactly. That's fair. So I will plug All... something, too. We, t- we talk about an oedipus complex very in depth in big streaming pile a podcast you should all listen to <laughs> yeah do it and you have yes and you have to listen to all the episodes to figure out which episode i'm talking about <laughs> tom, tom are you not on that podcast? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely on that i'm on all the episodes yeah it's just the two tom has us. just blanked it yeah tom, yeah tom has blanked out every memory <laughs> listen of a lot of stuff goes through my head i can't hold on <laughs> If I remembered every word I said, I would have no room for anything else. I talk a lot. <laughs> All righty. All right, Taker, we're going to vaporize you into particles. Don't worry. It's only going to be a little bit painful. Cool. Do you want a clean scream for and me? Then, or uh, I, It's up to you. Uh, okay. I'll just do like a little. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Lovely. And then with the power of editing, we're going to bring in Tanner. <laughs> All righty. So now we have a Tanner. Uh, now, Tanner, please let me know if you're feeling nauseous, uh, have any headaches uh, or relative discomfort because we atomized <laughs> Saker and reformed all his particles into you. Look, this is a uh, bit that I started two days ago when we recorded that segment and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, feel fine. And it's good to know that Saker and I are essentially the same person. Yeah, you have the same number of particles. Exactly. <laughs> it's like saying that like two books are the same because they use the same letters. here's an important question for our viewers who would have no idea about this because this is like a private joke between tanner and i and a couple other people does that mean that saker is now a part of the tannersative property yes uh unequivocally (laughs) yeah i think the math checks out on that yeah we've got to stop because of a train yeah, we have an extra loud train right now. <laughs> Naturally, as soon as we start recording, we get a yep. train. Yeah. Get turbo fucked. Um, so, do we want to l- lightning round a couple of the questions we ran past Saker uh, for Tanner, and then we can maybe venture into some new stuff? Yes. So, uh, Fiona um, already answered this uh, as well, is uh, after Chapter 3, because um, Chapter 3 we, was really like we we got to really delve into characters a lot more this chapter than we have ever before yet. So after this chapter and considering the story so far, uh, what's kind of going on in, uh, in Marco's head? Uh, like basically like a vibe check. What's what's up? <laughs> um, what's going on in Marco's head? Well, I think for starters, I mean, he's like basically been continuously been given everything that he's always wanted. So he's now wondering when does he, when is he going to wake up essentially? Like, when's the dream going to end? Because now he's part of the Seekers, traveling through all of these different worlds. Um, a brief hiccup with uh, the group where there was a little miscommunication with Hannah. Um, but beyond that, I think Marco is just really happy to see where things go from here. Like, he, in his mind, it's nothing but up, which is probably not true, but at least he believes that. 
Yeah, I totally get that. And and I, I want to just point out miscommunication as in like eating yourself to a completely different world and then like not being able to literally communicate. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like this is a total miscommunication about like leaving your friend Hannah, um, who certainly has like no problems whatsoever with you just going away. Um, and there was a slight commu- miscommunication with friends. That's all it is, really. At least that's how Marco yeah. sees it. <laughs> we had like such different ways to say the same answer that i feel like because we all basically answered like i'm happy but then that meant like such different things for each of us <laughs> well yeah and, and like i said after especially after fiona's answer was uh well that just tells me i have to fuck it up yeah exactly <laughs> i have to be that other good, shoe to drop. like we had a good <laughs> friendship chapter and now we need to uh I need to blow this up somehow. I don't think anyone needs to fuck it up. Marco will fuck it up plenty himself by just existing. Oh, <laughs> Marco. Marco. He is just our sweet cinnamon roll. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't realize when he fucks things up, but he does a lot. <laughs> but you can't be mad at him. Um, all right. No, I, I'm definitely excited for, for things coming up because you guys are all too happy and I got to. That, that can't be allowed to continue. Consider, though, if we could just have a campaign of just happy, well-adjusted people. No one would listen. <laughs> we need, need conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, if it's good enough for, like, Star Trek The Next Generation, it's good enough for us. Fair. I guess that's fair, yeah. So uh, the only other question, I think, uh, was... Do you, is there any Voidfarer ships that you're rooting for? Uh, the relationship kind of ship, not the, not the spaceship or oh, so sailing sh- ship kind of ship. Uh, this is, this is a question from our friend Chelsea and also Kitty. Uh, they independently <laughs> of each other asked the exact same question, including specifying relationship, not travel ship. <laughs> um, so my favorite, uh, ship that is sailing either for like a friendship or romantic is just scuttlebutt and jack and tatters because i love how consistent they are <laughs> oh that's a good answer yeah <laughs> scuttlebutt and jack and tatters is like the rock that holds everything together as long as they're <laughs> dancing on some table everything is fine but if they stop dancing we all just start crying no don't tell Nick target that. acquired <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> but uh, uh you'll know when shit hits the fan when something happens to that pairing. No. <laughs> that will be the sign. <laughs> See, beyond that, uh, Luckbeacon, who was, was it Tiana? Tiana, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Luckbeacon Tiana would be another one I thought was kind of cute, their little repartee they've had. Um, mm-hmm. And then Ravnus and, like, I don't know, um, Ravnus. Coot. Yeah, <laughs> Ravnus, Ravnus and Coot. And Ravnus, yeah. Ravnus no, we, and Coot. Yeah, we, we, we established that Coot is like the meme answer for any ship. Uh, <laughs> Coot, Coot is the cop-out answer. Of course, everybody's rooting for Coot. Um, How could you not? <laughs> I do like Ravnus and Ravnus, though. That is another good answer. Yes. She's got to love herself. Exactly. <laughs> I have to say real quick, Nick, like whenever yep. you said, uh, what kind of ships are you rooting for? And I was just like, I'm so fucked right now because <laughs> Void Bear and then like I, I couldn't name another <laughs> ship at the moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was the quiz that I was not prepared for. <laughs> Anything that's not a squid ship. 
Yeah. No, no, we or established that squid ship is not what I yeah. thought it was. Yes, anything a squid that's ship. not a mind flare ship because I uh-huh. thought it was. I thought it was squid ship with mind flare ship for like two chapters. Yeah, um, that that is a common misconception because squids we decided was a uh, slang term for elithids. But then a squid ship is just a human ship that shaped like a squid for some reason. Uh, the elithid ships it's very are confusing. not. Yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> and you can blame the original Spelljammer publications for that. But uh, <laughs> the elithid the ships are called nautiloids and they look different. Okay, so not a nautiloid ship. Okay, this is easier than I thought. Mind flayers, fuck them. Fuck the Xena Syndicate. Fuck the Suzerain in particular. Um, yeah. Fuck Val's mom, because she just seems to be an asshole. So, <laughs> I don't know if ships are attached, but if they're piloting them, then, you know, fuck them. Yeah. She, Val's mom was very pleasant in that conversation with you guys. <laughs> the first one. But it also sort of one. felt like, you know how, like, your friend's mom, like, when you're, like, a little kid is, like, going to yell at them, you know, as soon as you leave? That's what it felt like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's kind of the vibe I was going for going into that. Because, uh, well, it's really interesting because whenever you always have that sort of conflict between two NPCs, you need to, like, manufacture a reason for the PCs to witness it. And uh, so that was, like, the whole reason Val like didn't let you guys be dismissed however it was also completely in character (laughs) um you know and and it was definitely i was definitely going for that vibe where you know like i like like that or like what saker said in the episode of like when you're over a friend's house and their parents are arguing and yeah just uncomfortable yeah yeah uh well you learn so much well sort of about Val's dad last chapter and I figured it was about time you learned the void about fa- Val's the void father the, the vo- <laughs> hashtag the void father uh and in this episode we figured it was a good opportunity for you to meet and learn about Val's mom and uh yeah it, it's a complicated family dynamic <laughs> yeah just think about it, as we get more chapters we're gonna have to like start going to the really weird places of the family tree like, yeah, Val's like second cousin. Yeah, it's like Rookwood levels of yeah. of complicated family trees. Uh, by the way, listen to Fables Around the Table Curse. Yep. <laughs> Which I don't know it. when this is coming out, but the whole season I think will be done. Yeah, by the time I'm, this comes I'm, out, all yeah, five. Yeah, because I'm putting it up as yeah. we're recording it. I'm finishing the, well, the last episode is going up tomorrow, so... At, at the time of this recording, yes, yeah, uh, which will be almost a week ago by the time anyone listens to this. But nice. but yes, all all five episodes, uh, all five episodes of Fables Around the Table Curse will be available, so you could binge the whole thing. It's been great. We all had a hand in it one way or another. Fiona was the chronicler, the the game master. I got to be a player. There's a ton of guests. Tanner, Tom, and Saker all got to provide their voices to uh, NPCs and. And uh, it was a time I had a lot of fun working on it and it's been just so great so far. So go listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) That was an extended plug. (laughs) Anyway, um, let's see. Let me see if I have any other questions. Chelsea sent a bunch. By the way, Chelsea is uh, one of the players in Fables Around the Table Curse. 
Hashtag Gail did nothing wrong. <laughs> hashtag Gail did nothing that wrong. Is... If you want to know what that hashtag means, go watch the show. Listen to the show. <laughs> go watch that podcast. Visualize it. So um, let's see. What NPCs on the Void Fair would you want to play as PCs? And this is a Ooh, question okay. from Chelsea. Mm. Hmm. Scriv. Oh, that's a good answer. (laughs) Yeah. In honesty, I think Scriv is one of my favorites of the Voidfair, and I would love to actually play him or, like, just insert him into a game because he's a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. Yeah. um, See, my gut said Orella, but, like, as I thought about it, who has the mechanical spider? Uh, Brohane. Brohane. I would want to be Brohane. (laughs) Brohane is going to be my answer. Well, you have to pick another because I I talked first. (laughs) Well, I wanted to let the actual cast go first. Because you're real people and I'm fake people. You're fake people. <laughs> you're behind the scenes. You yeah. can be Aurella since I dropped Aurella. You can be Aurella. <laughs> I mean, there's also like 28 other members of the Void Fair. Yeah. We from. only care about like four of them. <laughs> <laughs> We've only gotten to really get flesh out a few. Yeah, or um, shit. What's her name? I don't have my notes in front of me. Um, Roxana. Roxana. I knew it was Rock mm. something. Ooh. And I kept wanting to I, and say And I knew Rakshasa. exactly who you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I would also that's... like to be Rakshasa. So I've claimed Rakshasa. three, and Tom can pick from the remains. <laughs> I was going to say maybe like Johannes. Hey. Johannes is cool. We haven't seen oh, him yeah. Johannes, Johannes, really but Johannes is kind of cool. Who's Johannes? Johannes the, He's like navigator. the navigator. Oh, uh, that's right. Another one of we haven't got much of, but I find to be an intriguing character is Odyssey. I would actually love to play Odyssey. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah odyssey would be fun odyssey is the mysterious bad boy of the crew yeah <laughs> and i'd have so much fun with that tiana would be so fun to play too oh yeah tiana would so, be tiana's so cute i love her like uh, honestly 90 percent of me creating these npcs were just you know what cool pcs would i want to play but we'll never have the opportunity to yeah fair. and then just populate a crew <laughs> with yeah. that well it's funny because brohane was actually inspired by a character i played of, in a short-lived campaign that Tom was running, um, Fiona, you were in that. Uh, but I was playing the dwarf. Yeah, he artificer kept killing my my in... dog. I think that was no. I think that I was a different. That was a different game. Oh, yeah, yeah. All I remember is that Tom killed my my <laughs> dog animal companion twice on my birthday <laughs> in the same session. <laughs> in the same session. Rude. R.I.P. Breezy Windows. Yeah. Aww. Rest in peace, Breezy Windows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but but Brohane Brohane was based almost. He's the exact same concept of a dwarf artificer. I played in a in a brief short lived campaign. Um, he didn't even get his mechanical spider. We stopped like a level before that. Nick is calling me out for having my games that go like three <laughs> sessions. I actually got to play in a campaign for two sessions. Honest. It's the one that I was running um, online on Roll Twenty. I do not yeah. remember this even. It was a, a while bit. ago. It was a while. I don't know. The only game, every time someone talks about a game, Tom, and I always assume it's the Breezy Windows game. (laughs) (laughs) The Breezy Windows game. (laughs) All right. Well, did you guys have any questions for each other or for me or for Tom or anybody do their homework? (laughs) I didn't know we were supposed to. Um, Well, we do the same thing for every Void for Uncharted Fiona. I thought one, at least for Fiona. Okay, um, what is it? Ask that shit. Yeah, okay, so what is Ravnus's thoughts, like, right now, especially about, like, Luckbeak and Marco? Because 
they actually, I mean, there's been a lot of character development between the three of us, but I feel like Ravnus has definitely flushed out her relationship with Marco and Luckbeak, while Marco and Luckbeak have been pretty consistently, like, the duo from The Road to El Dorado. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I, I... I think that Ravnus is real. It was really unexpected. It was really unexpected for Ravnus to find that she was actually, in the end, like she's she's closer to Luckbeak at this point, I think, than she is Marco, which is weird because, like, right from the beginning, I think she she always liked Marco. Um, if she like didn't always understand what he was doing or why he was doing it, he she always thought that he had uh, pretty good intentions with everything, which is why you know she liked him but then as she got to know Luckbeak especially when they had their heart to heart about like you're just a giant dick to me like all the time and I don't know why um (laughs) I think that she really they both understood where the other person was coming from and as a result they've gotten uh pretty close I think and I think you'll see that a little bit more in chapter four but yeah, she definitely cares a lot about Marco. I think that she's not, she's still not totally over like the Hannah thing. I think that's still like sort of at the back of her mind, but I think that she gets it. Um, but it, that sort of thing just plays into some of her most base fears with things. So, mm. yeah, so she definitely cares a lot about both of them. But Luckbeak was sort of like the unexpected friend that she gained <laughs> out of the last mm-hmm. chapter. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. Because, um, like, Ravnus and Marco have more in common up front, where they're both, like, pretty just reliable people who would, like, seem reasonably well-adjusted for the most part. And Luckbeak is kind of, does like, Ravnus seem Does Ravnus seem well-adjusted? She doesn't, like, fly <laughs> off into yeah. truly bizarre directions the way Luckbeak does. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> like, oh. Ravnus basically, like, you kind of know what is going to happen. But I think that on a deeper level, um, the key thing I think separating Marco from bonding the same way with uh, Ravnus and Luckbeak is like a lack of introspection. Yeah. I think Marco as a character is very like unintrospective. He's very like focused on the outside world and doesn't really mm-hmm. like for how smart a person yeah, he is. Yeah, I, I really think that Luckbeak and Ravnus head. like constantly play over the things that they've done or said in it yeah. all the time in their heads in a way that Marco just really doesn't. Yeah, Marco has like no concept of that. Like Marco just does things. Yeah, um. Marco. Well, Marco in particular, like the way I've always wanted to play him was that uh, in his mind, the only thing that he really has to offer the world is his intelligence. So he has to constantly exude that. Which is not necessarily the case, but that's in his opinion, like, how he, like, thinks of himself in the world. So he's always has to take what he knows and apply it everywhere, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I think it does. I love um, Marco so much. He's such a I, sweet boy. <laughs> yeah. And for him, he still thinks that there is absolutely nothing to worry about in terms of character growth or anything, because he's static. <laughs> which is complete bullshit <laughs> but yeah. in his mind he's like oh yeah i'm just this is me i am the smart one and i do intelligent stuff because that's all i have to offer everybody yeah. and i fuck shit up with ice knife yeah <laughs> that yeah, too. for real i'm, but... I'm kind of curious then about uh how marco sort of i mean we did ambush him a little bit like beacon ravenous like how marco sort of um processed and dealt with and really just what he thought about like the all of a sudden like 
friendship arc that we went on in the last chapter, particularly when we went through a couple like direct confrontations, like ending with the one with Marco where Ravnus and Luckbeak, I think kind of solidified their friendship where they were both just like, <laughs> you did what to your friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was totally an intervention. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, might not I, I, have been planned, but that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious about Marco's thoughts about that, like where his headspace was and everything. Um, in Marco's mind, is this more towards like how Marco feels about like Hannah and what happened or how Marco feels about Ravnus and Luckbeak post-fact? I think Ravnus and Luckbeak, like how okay. how he felt when it was all happening, when he got this sort of like unexpected confrontation of like hey we think that this thing you did was like sort of shitty and we think you're gonna do it to us now um he was confused very much because i think that marco at least in the situation with hannah feels like he did what was justified um which is he tried his best to contact hannah and then he could not so his response was i've you know this is the best case scenario for everybody and he plays it out in his own mind um and then gets confronted on it and I think the idea then is I now have friends and I'm going to lose them. How do I, how do I try <laughs> to explain that I did everything right <laughs> that I could have? Mm -hmm. And then on top of all that, I think at the end of it, he's very happy that he has friends in Luckbeak and Ravnus. I think it's kind of like he's still very confused because he doesn't really understand how friendship works. Yeah, I think I think Marco is is kind of like the prime example of a character that is so much like has such a higher intelligence than his wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, and not to say that he even has a low wisdom, but it's just that his intelligence is so up there that he's almost so like constantly analyzing everything that he's not like processing the ramifications of you know what are you what he's doing or uh just kind of being in tune with the people around him and not and considering others and like that sort of thing like uh he's quick to kind of tell himself uh you know what what he needs to hear mm -hmm. to make it okay uh and that's just my read on the character so tell me if i'm wrong at, no at that's all. that's a hundred percent spot on actually especially the uh -huh. read of like all right i got uh to, to just use the hannah for an example I got teleported to Toril. Hannah must be very upset. I must find a way to get back or at least just send a letter to say I'm alive. Can't do it. Thought of every pattern. Uh, not possible. I've done everything I need to do. Move on. And didn't really process, like, what if Hannah actually did care about him? What if Hannah is going to try to come and get him? Like, in his mind, he's like, I did everything right. Everything's going to work out. I have this, I have accounted for all eventualities and yeah you're 100% right that like his intelligence is high to like come up with probability but the wisdom of what does this have like what ramifications does this have doesn't really factor in and I think that's a character flaw for him that needs that well is going to be explored further yeah yeah that's not going to come back to bite him in the ass at all oh god no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think that we almost see that sort of in the last Uncharted that we did where, or maybe it was like two Uncharted's ago or something like that. But, one of um, them. Yeah, one of them. Marco made the, well, Tanner made the comment about Marco that uh, he doesn't really have any like secrets or anything. He just like 
what you see is what you get. And I think that with Luckbeak and Ravnus, they would have like made what happened with Hannah like a big dark secret that they like never yeah. tell anyone about and they like hide it and they're very ashamed of it that just really shows like what a different perspective marco has than the other two and i think almost <laughs> like you know it, it reminds me even too of i think that same one where saker and i both just said that you know i mean we just don't play D as much as we play other games because like D&D is very, like, combat-oriented, like, uh, you know, trope-oriented. Characters can have these big, dark secrets, but, you know, they don't go into, like, the moral ramifications of being murder hobos and, you know, stuff mm. like that. Um, and I think that Saker really brings that a lot, especially as Luckbeak Saker really brings that a lot to the table. But, yeah, I don't know. It just, like, also, in addition to everything, just goes so much to, like, our play style as uh, players, you know instead of yeah. just our characters but i think that's interesting i like marco so much he's such a such a sweet bab <laughs> he tries <laughs> yeah at least you know that if he does something awful he never did it maliciously yeah, yeah. intent matters so much with marco i think because he just does not have a malicious bone in his body but he just <laughs> sometimes will do these things that you know Luckbeak and ravenous give this like major side eye to <laughs> Yeah. yeah i actually like the dynamic of like what we were even talking about before that like initially um marco and ravenous have a good relationship Luckbeak and ravenous not as much and then this one it kind of grows even beyond like Luckbeak and mark or sorry um marco and ravenous's relationship and that kind of shows that like marco is pretty well consistent but there's a lot more growth for the Luckbeak ravenous relationship which i think out of like the triad is the most fascinating and interesting yeah, I I really did not expect it, especially because in like the early stages, I think I said this at the beginning of uh, this episode too, but like, you know, like I saw Luckbeak and I was like, okay, this is like the character mascot, like Saker is like a really funny guy, like it's just going to be this like goofy <laughs> character. And I didn't expect to get such feelings from him, <laughs> but and I didn't expect Ravnus and him to like really bond as much as they had. Mm -hmm. I always thought that it would be this kind of like background adversarial relationship, even and their connection would always be Marco, but they've really uh, struck out beyond Marco and like have this really cool uh, relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. For sure. I was going to put in there, and this is going outside of Voidfair or role-playing even, and just kind of into life. Mm -hmm. But something that I definitely think is true is, like, different people have very different approaches to friendship, um, which I think you can see here, where, like, Marco thinks about friends and friendship differently from the way Luckbeak and Ravnus do. Where I think Marco is a little bit more like friends are people you enjoy being around and help out when you have a chance. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think Luckbeak and Ravnus have much more ingrained a sense of like friends are not just people you like. They're like, there's like a expectation of like loyalty and commitment to friendship that isn't there with Marco. That's something I've seen in real life a lot of the time, where some people, their idea of friendship is, you know, a friend to someone you enjoy spending some time with when the time is right. And those types of people often have lots of different friends, lots of different groups. Um, typically aren't, like, super, super close with that many of them. Um, but they're also the type of person where, like, they could be gone for ten years, and then if they're in town, you know, you'll 
go out for drinks with them and it'll be a good time. Whereas other people have a much more like ride or die sort of approach to their friends. And I mean, I personally think, I mean, like both are valid. I think that to me, like it's interesting that Luckbeak and Ravenous feel so strongly about how he treated Hannah. Cause to me, what he did, I'm actually kind of on Marco's side. I don't think what he did was that bad that, he doesn't have like this absolute obligation to Hannah that they were buddies and you know, fate has separated them, but he's going to do his own thing now. Fiona's giving me a head shake over here. (laughs) (laughs) No, we need to find Hannah. (laughs) Hannah is happy on Toral. I've been saying this. She's, Mm -hmm. she is currently a professor (laughs) and is writing plenty of pamphlets. It's wonderful. She's having a great life. Of course. <laughs> that is the most interesting thing that could possibly happen. Exactly. No, she like, no, she like showed up like 10 minutes after after uh, after Marco, and she's just been searching through for him through space this whole time, always like, you know, one step behind. It's just like, damn it, Marco, just slow down a second. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a love story for the ages. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's your ship. Yeah. And Marco's going to come back. <laughs> I definitely I, I love what Tom added to that though because I think it also might be a little bit more of Marco's growth in the future too, but I, I also am kind of in agreement with Tom that like especially because Marco did try to at least contact him. if Marco had just showed up and said, "Well, see you later, Hannah, gotta go," I feel like then Marco would I, I'd have to probably change him from like neutral good to just a jackass. I don't know what the alignment would have been, but neutral jackass, <laughs> neutral, neutral jackass. jackass. <laughs> but since he actually like he did like oh crap, um, Hannah's worried and actually showed a at least some semblance of like caring for her emotions. At least shows yeah. that there's something there for Marco that like you know, he does take people's um, like take people's feelings into account until yeah. the object permanence wore off. more or less and like like, if this was the real world situation I think I would feel very differently but for the sake of both the fiction and the drama and like how you engage with fiction I'm just like no Marco's a dick (laughs) (laughs) I mean I think in real life it's usually kind of the other way around where people like have yeah it's like much more black and white yeah Yeah. this toxic overcommitment to a friendship where they like interpret anything short of like ride or die commitment as like a betrayal mm-hmm. when really it's just people have lives that don't include them and that's fine mm-hmm. yeah such complicated questions about friendship <laughs> <laughs> it'll be well, that was like that was like a major theme of this this chapter yeah it was yeah. i know and i loved it like that was great uh-huh. that was it was awesome well, I, well we joked and it, I, it was the nature of the way we started the campaign but we joked about how there wasn't a whole lot of like interaction and character development between the player characters starting out, which was natural. And I think by the time we got to where we are now with chapter three, we've had the time to like slowly build that out and we've been better for it. Um, And it's really been interesting to kind of see that develop from the very beginning where you were just a bunch, three random jackasses in, in the hold of a ship you know who didn't know each other didn't care for each other and ravenous had like you, you know ravenous was ready to like throw down over a fucking mind <laughs> yeah. flare cube oh we've come so far i know <laughs> like like and luckbeak was ready to swindle marco and it was it 
yeah we're, look how yeah. far we've come they were both <laughs> ready to do such bad things to marco that's what <laughs> and they still are and we're just nothing changed it's just now you like we went to we're going to swindle you to you're not friendship enough with us <laughs> we need more friendship from this sweet child <laughs> um it seems like that's actually like an overarching theme of the entire like tales of the void fair is friendship what friendship means and what friendship's going to mean in the future because i remember i think it was maybe in chapter one or chapter two we were worried that like the three of our characters were like so incredibly different that it wasn't a cohesive unit and then suddenly we're very much a cohesive unit yeah yeah mm-hmm. I, I i mean i we came into this with just such different characters and they're still very different people but it was it was really a slow burn with our characters. Yeah. I think it took them a while to like, you know, for like to recognize like. Um, they knew that they like had to stick together because like you know Ravnus has her two like health juice packs, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of like that we did it this way, and I think that that's you know I mean they're basically coworkers for a chapter like, <laughs> mm. and they enjoyed each other's company in a lot yeah. of ways, but they weren't really close. And I, I, I like how it's developed though. I like that we didn't, we're just like, we're best friends now. You know, we really took the time to delve into each character and like, as more stuff came out about everyone we like, you know, we built up our relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and it's fascinating to me too, because like, as, as like luck peak is like, opened up and has like shared more with the party i get a kick out of it because even even when he like like confessed to ravenous that he like up murdered a dude during that fight he was still simultaneously lying to her about the vision <laughs> that and the reason why he didn't want her to fight and, yeah, and all yeah, of, that, yeah. and all of yeah. that stuff yeah, like he's he, he was very careful <laughs> to admit enough truth but still omitting the <laughs> he, shitty parts. Yeah, he admitted <laughs> what he wanted help with. And then yeah. he right. just sort of like swept the rest under the rug. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it, like every like Luckbeak is still keeping secrets from everyone because you guys don't know about his thing with the suzerain and you don't know about more stuff with his past that he's kind of like hinted at a little bit. Um, and, and even even when he was talking about his parents, he was still selective, you know. That's when Marco moves up the friendship charts again. When that comes out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now the shoe is on the other foot. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's been fascinating to see that um, that growth because I think Luckbeak is a loner character and now he's kind of in this like, you know, friendship scenario that he hasn't really had before. And uh, it's but he's still not comfortable enough, like being yeah. completely open. Um, mm-hmm. So there's definitely still more growth to be had uh, for Luckbeak and for Ravnus and Marco alike. Uh, and it's uh, I'm really excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah, he's crew. <laughs> Your he's crew. crew. Yeah. crew. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I did like uh, uh at the time of this recording i we just put out the the clip um that we highlighted from the finale from from episode three six and it was the scene when Luckbe when ravenous and Luckbeat confronted marco and had that whole talk and where ravenous said we're crew and we were laughing on facebook because saker pointed out that Ravnus said two words in that whole conversation, and that was the that was the highlight, like the summary of it all. And 
like I pointed out that, you know, Ravnus being able to say in two words what Luckbeak took 200 to say kind of sums up both of those characters pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got weirdly emotional, like, listening to that today. And uh. I, like, I, like, knew, like, what had happened. I remembered the scene and everything. But just, like, with the music behind everything, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. This is a moment. No, that was, mm-hmm. When I was editing, I'm like, I got to put some, like, very emotional, uplifting kind of, you know, music behind this. And it kind of just really drives home that that uh importance that connection because because honestly that is the point in the entire show where you the three of you became magic yeah friendship is magic when you three became like a party you know what i mean like you you three became oh wait we do have pony art you've been like paired up (laughs) with each other the entire time but it wasn't until that moment that you definitively became like this is three of us together is what we want to be. It's not just the the circumstances of our situation. Like back in episode one, you had the conversation or I think it was episode two, the way it got cut out. Um, episode two was after, after the battle and everything, you guys lit, had the conversation. Yeah, let's stick together. But it was all for like that mutual benefit. And now two chapters later, we're bullying Marco. To, we're bullying Marco. <laughs> that he always has and, to call. Yeah. But that is, uh, and that just in those three chapters has been a fascinating arc. So I have an important question, Nick. Did you not hear us trolling you with My Little Pony stuff, or did you hear it and choose to ignore it? I was trucking through it. <laughs> okay. He's I like, had a I point to make. I have the power to edit. I can do what I want. Yeah, he's going to mute all of our pony talk. It's going to be our, our horrible secret that we have pony art of all of our characters. It's on the internet. <laughs> it's our horrible secret <laughs> I, I went to our friend Chelsea and I'm like how quickly could you turn out some pony art <laughs> and she's like say no more <laughs> but, but it's so true though friendship is magic is like mm-hmm. the ultimate thing I mean we have literally a magical connection <laughs> with each yeah, other sure, yeah, yeah. It's, it, the connection is friendship the whole time yeah you can kind of like picture Marco like uh, at least an arc for Marco on how he's going to bridge friendship, especially in the future. And I can also kind of see it with Luckbeak. Um, how is it going to be for Ravnus? Like, what what obstacles does Ravnus have to overcome um, that can be really discussed right now that are not in the secret minds of Nick and Fiona and Tom? What obstacles does she have to overcome? Yeah, because, like, we could even say that Marco's problem is that, like, he doesn't really like um associate friendship the same way that others do and it can be a little bit of a problem especially whenever you know he leaves his friend behind and like maybe takes what he thinks is a considerable amount of time but might not be by other standards to look for her before like fucking off to the other ends of the galaxy um luckbeak is very much still like all aboard on friendship but i mean he is keeping a lot of secrets and we all know it at least as as you know people not as the characters right right so i'm kind of curious like what is rav like what is ravness like you know what like where are some areas or some like you know that that she might like grow in friendship or is she just the static force that pulls us all towards the friendship train oh um i i think that she still has a lot of work to do with trust um 
I think that especially with Marco, she's still not totally sure Marco's not going to leave them for greener pastures. Um, Lechbeak, Lechbeak, she understands a little better. I don't think that she thinks that Lechbeak's going to leave right away, but I think that um, she's not entirely convinced that he's not still going to try to like swindle them or something. And <laughs> there's still a lot about Ravnus that she's just not telling anyone because I don't think anyone really knows anything all that meaningful about her Mm-mm. um she's not sharing and, and no one's really thought to to like yeah no ask. one's asking really like the only thing that she's really shared is that you know she was at the she came from an egg she was at the nursery she didn't know her, her who her parents were because something happened that they never came to get her and then she was doing pirate stuff for a while and now she's there um and there's a lot more to what she's been doing for the past, you know, uh, 15 odd years that just hasn't come up yet. And mm-hmm. I think that she's not going to be the one to bring it up. So <laughs> that is actually unfortunate because like Marco is the character that like isn't really going to bridge those topics because he's not going to think to bridge them. And then Luckbeak, mm-hmm. I don't know, Luckbeak might. Luckbeak, I think, would if if he had like proper motivation or at least if he had uh like like hints that there was something there well actually you know in chapter three marco could have figured a big thing out um but he didn't and uh it was when uh ravenous was going up to fight and she thought she was going to die because Luckbeak told her she was going to die and she gave marco that thing and then he just gave it back to her and never looked at what it was or anything um I think that that was the most Ravnus has trusted someone with uh, her past. And yeah, it it wasn't really that much. (laughs) I kind of figured something like that, but Marco was so out of his element in that scene that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think it was like perfectly in character for Marco to not be like, Oh, let's like, let's see what this is. But um, time to pry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Time to look into this. I think that Ravnus would have been uh, pretty upset and that's why she gave it to Marco is she didn't, she didn't think that Marco would look at it in case like everything was fine, but I think that she thought that he would find it really interesting if something did happen to her, and that's why she gave it to him. It wasn't necessarily just safekeeping; it was that she thought that Marco would find the most value out of it, and she thought that Luckbeak might just like sell it or something. <laughs> uh, I I did have an interesting thought that because you said that like Ravnus like working like still having a lot of trust issues. Uh, but I, I think that might be whether you, you realize it or not is is one of the things that kind of brings Ravnus and Luckbeak together because trust is a big thing that Luckbeak is struggling with. Yeah, uh, almost yeah. I was constantly. I was thinking about that as I was thinking about yeah. my answer. I'm like, this is another like, mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's like mutually assured destruction <laughs> between them because it's not. <laughs> that's not what it is. But it's like they both sort of understand that there's a lot that they're not saying, and because they don't want the other person to push, they don't push. Yeah, because going all the way back to that uh, first couple episodes where, you know, Roddix was going to heal Marco and Luckbeak tried to stop him because he thought Roddix was just going to shake him down for money in return and like just speaks so much to just how much distrust Luckbeak holds for pretty much anyone. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, so much has happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised it all stays in my brain. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think we are getting to the point where we're probably going to want to wrap it up here. Um, was there anything else we wanted to hit on? Oh, I have a comment if we're just doing like final comments. 
Yeah. Now's the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't get to shove this into the conversation earlier, but um, in Chelsea's pony art, she made Ravnus an Earth pony, and I got really mad about it because I'm like, that's the least cool pony. But I'm also really mad because it's exactly the type of pony Ravnus would be. <laughs> and that's my final comments. <laughs> so Chelsea knew. <laughs> Chelsea knew. And I'm mad about it because it's the lamest pony. And I'm sure that we'll have a bunch of My Little Pony fans tell me I'm wrong for some reason. But it is the lamest type of pony. And it's unfair. <laughs> it's unfair that I made my character this way. <laughs> You're oh, just no, mad because you've been seen. My <laughs> yeah, my action, my my consequences have actions. Yeah. Your consequences have actions. That still that still needs to go on a t-shirt. <laughs> Do it, Nicholas. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Bitly slash derailed shop. Look for it there. <laughs> um, all right, uh, Tanner. Do you got anything to to add? Um, we pretty much talked about everything. Uh, but I guess. Probably the thing that um since we've already did the first episode of the next chapter without giving away any spoilers, I'm really excited to see where this goes, especially after this conversation, because mm-hmm. now I know me too. We are in a situation <laughs> in which we have to communicate at least to some extent due to the circumstances around us <laughs> in order just to pass the fucking time. So I'm really interested to see how the next chapter goes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Me too. Trust me. And. Me and Tom know a lot more than you guys. <laughs> so, um, all right. Tom, do you got anything to add? I got nothing. Good. I didn't want to hear anything. Um, Nailed it. <laughs> all right. So uh, just to run through the normal spiels, uh, check us out on our social medias at VoidFairerPod on Twitter and at Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, in two weeks... Uh, we're not going to be starting uh, chapter four in two weeks yet because uh, the 30th through the second is Gen Con online and we will be doing a special live streamed one shot on twitch.tv slash project derailed um, tentatively as of now that's going to be Saturday night but you can check out more details uh, when we release them on our social media if that hasn't been released already um, and uh, and then that episode will release uh, in podcast format on the following Tuesday in our normal every other week Tuesday slot. Um, and then it'll be two weeks from then, which will be our chapter four premiere, which we're super excited about. We already recorded the first episode. It's going to be cool. Um, and we're working on some other cool stuff to go along with that. As I mentioned before, you can check out cool Voidfarer merch at our Project Derailed Redbubble shop at bit.ly slash derailed shop. Um, listen to the Fables Around the Table curse. Uh, all five episodes are out as of now. Um, and you can check out their social media at Table Fables Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Table Fables Pod on Twitter. And uh, we'll be doing two retrospective episodes and an interview with the creators of Curse of the House of Rookwood, the RPG we played for that chapter um, that will be coming out uh, tomorrow as of the time of this release. And next week will be a retrospective Q&A with the cast. So fun times talking about those five episodes. But go listen to them first, you dummies. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty good. They're good episodes. Uh, Am I forgetting any other plugs? Help me out. 
big streaming pile you can uh yeah you can listen to tom and i talk about bad movies on streaming services um you can find us at big streaming pile podcast on facebook or at big stream pile on twitter and so we've taken a little bit of break from it but i assure you it is not dead and gone we just have gotten really busy with our other podcast so we will be getting back to it uh at some point i'm so grateful to not have to watch so many bad movies just because i've listened to that podcast it is a valuable service yeah we we have cool (laughs) specials coming up i think that we were going to try to relatively soon um get out like a mary kate and ashley movie special and like a star wars special and stuff like that so exciting things you guys got to watch the ewoks movie is that you know on streaming? The, the Star Wars I don't know. I don't know. There is a TV show. No. No, it's Ewoks the Battle for Endor, ah. 1985 film. Um, I don't know if it's on a streaming service, honestly. It probably I isn't. Think, cause I think I saw a video talking about this. I think that that movie is like actually just the TV show that aired. Sort of like Was it a TV show? Into, yeah, there was like an Ewoks TV show. It was like cut mm. into a movie. See, we only do bad movies, and if you walk in it, it's good. So we can't do it. <laughs> uh, well, no, it's a. Li- I don't think it was a TV show because it was a live action thing. Oh, you're talking about something live action. What I'm talking about is definitely yeah. A it's a live. It's a. It's a live action thing. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely different from what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, that was on topic. Anyway, that was a tangent, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check out Big Streaming Pile. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, I think that wraps it up. Uh, so um, be sure to keep out, look out for more information about our Gen Con Live stuff. We're also doing a, um, a tip, Fables Around the Table curse one-shot that Fiona is running. So uh, just check out our social medias for information about those. I'm sure we'll be tweeting about it nonstop. And uh, see you then. Bye. 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 Introducing Fables Around the Table, a new actual play anthology podcast by Project Derailed. Our first season, Curse, features The Curse of the House of Rookwood by Nerdy Pup Games. Join the dysfunctional and strange Rookwood family as they tussle with the supernatural in 1972 in New Haven, Connecticut. And be sure to never forget your roots. Dreaming of such things, it could be an omen of some sort. Why are you like this? Why can't you just behave? I I come in to think sometimes. Look at all of our dead relatives and, uh, think about that. A flock of ravens and crows descend from the tops of the nearby buildings. Us finally being claimed by the curse in the end is a sign that we did not waste these gifts. Something has happened. ProjectDerailed.com